I wanted to get ahead of this as always to remind you that Cavalcated Tales contains adult language and adult themes. In addition, I apologize in advance for my butchering of the Icelandic and Welsh languages. I am so sorry, they're very pretty, but the vowels are insane. Hello and welcome back to Cavalcated Tales. I'm your host, Drew, the millennial with a history degree and uh, multiple mental illnesses. Um, I just wanted to do a small little update episode since uh, you guys haven't heard from me since October. Um, I'm, I'm okay. I'm alive. Uh, I'm getting help. I'm in this new self-help thing, and so I had to take some time to kind of figure things out, figure out uh, doses of, you know, antidepressants and shit like that. So I apologize for the lack of content. I have been working on little things in the background. Uh, so this episode is just a little like mini episode so I can uh, let you guys know, hey, sorry I'm mentally ill, episodes are going to be a bit sporadic, um, and to kind of talk about how 2024 is going to look, and then I'm going to finish this off with a couple of what I like to call Christmas cryptids, which are uh, spooky little folkloric beasts for the winter holidays. Uh, so let's get into that, shall we? So, uh, 2024, I've decided I'm calling season two of the podcast. I started uh, way back, I want to say, technically the podcast started in April 2023, but the uh, first episode I actually liked didn't come out till a month later. Um, so, what's going to happen is starting Janu- the second week of January, uh, I will be doing two episodes a month for the regular feed, and those will be your standard one-hour episodes I already have about a dozen ideas up on my ideal wall, which is just a bunch of sticky notes surrounding a signed plush of Annie from Attack on Titan. And then, if uh, people want more uh, content from me, um, A, thank you for wanting to listen to my drivel, and B, um, I've revamped the Patreon. So the way it's going to work now is there are two tiers on the Patreon. The first tier is the Tamlins, uh, that's based off of the name of uh, Fairy Knight. I plan on doing a whole episode on uh, Irish fairy culture at some point. The Tamlins, they're $5 a month. You get access to the Discord server. You get the episodes early. Uh, you'll get to ask questions that are answered at the beginning of each episode. And there will also be little mini episodes that I'll put on the Patreon sporadically. There'll be at least two a month. And these are the type of episodes where either I don't have enough like content to really get an episode because I like these episodes being around an hour. I think an hour is a good podcast length. Uh, it's either that or like little unhinged ideas that I have that I just need to go off for a bit. So there's, I a lot of these episodes are self indulgent, but like these are like these really self indulgent kind of things. Um, the other tier are the Knights of the Round Table because we love Arthuriana on this podcast. Uh, in addition to the things of the last year, which is the Discord, the bonus episodes of the month, and early and ad-free episodes, uh, I'll also read off the names of the Knights of the Round Table at the end of every episode. Uh, you guys will get monthly Q&A episodes in addition onto the Patreon. And then uh, your questions will be bumped up. So if I have like a list of Patreon questions, Knight questions are going to be answered before Tamlin questions. And then there's also, I uh, renamed the book club. So the book club is no longer called the We Don't Talk About Book Club book club because uh, the Fight Club reference is uh, kind of played out. Um, this time I'm calling it the Shaharazad uh, book club uh, based off of the uh, eponymous person who allegedly told the uh, Thousand and One Arabian Nights stories. 
uh, which is a whole separate thing that'll probably get a mini episode as well. If that's that's not enough topics for a full episode, so it'll be a mini one. But that's the current plan going into 2024. So um, I hope you guys have a great holiday, but um, I'll be compiling notes to get episodes out for you guys. Um, so with the Patreon, you'd be essentially getting four episodes a month, which will probably total around three hours of content a month is my current goal. And if we can get to 50 patron subscribers of either, like, it can be a mix of tiers. Like, I'm not saying it has to be, like, 50 nights. It can be a mix. Uh, I will make the podcast go back to being weekly. Uh, but for now, uh, as I'm still working through all my mental health things, trying to uh, continue to get my, try to get my life in order uh, to f um, get rid of all the problems before I get into my 30s and they just become a part of who I am. Um, I, I'm going to have to cut back a little bit and I appreciate everyone uh, giving me the grace and uh, time to work on these things. So, uh, with that, uh, let's talk some spooky little Christmas guys, huh? So I'm going to talk about two main creatures this time. It's a, this is going to be a little mini episode, just a, a holiday special, if you will. Uh, one of these is something I've lived with my whole life, even though my family's not Icelandic. It's just been a trope that we've had. And then the other one is something I just find is really fucking neat. Um, so the first one, the one I've lived my whole life, is a critter known as Yolaka Kurten, or the Yule Cat. So this is an Icelandic creature. It's a huge, vicious cat uh, who prowls the story countryside, devouring those who did not get new clothing before Christmas. So it's um, to give it small overview, and then I'll like dive into some of the more nitty gritty of it. Uh, it's the house pet of the ogress Grilia and her son, the Yule Lads, which um, I will not be delving into a lot in this episode. I'm actually saving Grilia and the Yule Lads for next year's uh, holiday stuff. I'm gonna probably do them as the bonus episode, and then do like a big episode on Krampus because Krampus. So. Um, the first time the Yule Cat was mentioned was in the 1862 collection of folklore. And here I'm going to butcher some Icelandic and I'm so sorry. Isangar Podesker og Offentri by John Arneson. Uh, so this uh, beast it would eat either people or uh, it would eat the special food that the people would be given. So this goes off of a tradition that um, when it was around the Christmas time or the Yule time, uh, the like farmers would be given an extra uh, bounty of food from their lord as a thank you for the you know service throughout the year and as a, like a special gift. And if you uh, so you had to protect it from the Yule cat. So uh, do, 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 do. Uh, there are two theories about how the Yule cat was invented. The first is by folklorist. Arnie Bjornsson, who thought that the Yule Cat was uh, just Arneson, uh, like, really messing up an old expression called, quote, to dress the cash, which is what Arneson cites as a thing later in the work. I tried to look into this. I could not find what the uh, to dress the cat actually means as, like, a euphemism or anything, but it was, you know, it could have been like a kind of like a mixed signal and that's why there's this cat who eats you if you didn't get new dressings. The second theory is posed by an archaeologist named Gundermunder Olafsson 
and they connect the Yule Cat to an older companion of St. Nicholas, and also notes that there's, uh, it's hard to kind of, like, figure out where the origin of folklore is, because, uh, by the time folklore gets written down, it's not really folklore anymore, because it's, uh, mostly written by educated people in the, uh, high Middle Ages, and because of literacy, the sources aren't really kept it. Um, so... One of the theories is that the tradition of the Yule Cat is from, uh, in autumn, you would collect all the wool for the season. It would kind of be like your la last big wooling time because you don't want to take the wool from the sheep during the winter because otherwise they'll fucking freeze to death and then um, you might get lamb chops, frozen lamb chops. I don't know. But anyway, so what would happen is that as people kind of like process their wool and took care of it, some of that wool was made into clothing, which was then given back to the workers. So if you didn't get your work done, you didn't get new clothes, and you would be eaten by your lecker curtain, or um, you would die of the cold. Uh, so the Yule Cat uh, didn't really start out as a big Icelandic tradition until the 1930s, when the poet Johannes Urkolatun uh, wrote a collection of poetry called Jolan Koma, or Christmas is Coming. And then in that work, there's an eponymous poem about the cat, which is what then leads to it becoming sort of a Christmas tradition. Um, the interesting thing is, is like it's this is one of those interesting things to look at, like how a um, folklore gets developed over time, because the association with Grilla and the Yule Lads wasn't an, even in that book of poetry. It was sort of later on. It was sort of like Grilla and the Yule Lads were in that book and so was the Yule Cat. So they sort of got mixed together and then eventually Yule Cat Curtain became Grilla's house cat. There's also versions of stories that came out later on saying that only the smallest Yule Lad, whose name is Sturfer, can taint Yulika Curtain and even write it, but um, it's hard, it's one of those fun little things where it's hard to tell how folklore uh, transitions over time. And that's it for the Yule Cat. That was one I always grew up with. Uh, my parents would uh, sometimes give us clothes for Christmas, and uh, on Christmas Eve we always opened up a single present, which was the pajamas that you sleep in. And then that's what you wear Christmas Day, because nobody gets fucking dressed on Christmas. Um, so, and my mother would always talk about how, like, well, you got to get new clothes for Christmas, otherwise you'll get eaten by the Yule Cat. Um, and so that's just always been a little tradition in my house. Uh, also, speaking of cats, uh, Freya update. She is uh, being sweet baby, and she's sleeping and being good. Uh, she got a new scratching post that she loves to bits and doesn't understand why she can't attack the Christmas tree. Uh, the second uh, Christmas cryptid uh, is one from South Wales. It's called Ivari Lud. It's also known as Mari Lud. And so what it is, is there is a horse skull that is placed on a stick and is being carried by a man who is hidden in a sackcloth. Uh, this tradition started uh, being recorded in around the 1800s. So traditionally, it would be a troop of people. There would be the person who would be uh, Ivari Lud. Uh, who carries the skull. There would be like a ringleader 
who is dressed in like a captain's uniform and carrying a small bullwhip. There would also be a bunch of actors and singers, two of them playing uh, characters called Punch and Judy, which is kind of like slapstick comedy, uh, comedy and like puppetry. And the pu person playing Punch also would carry a fire poker. So what would happen is the pack would go to people's homes and they would try to gain entry into the house through song. So I have a small portion of the verse. I have no idea the tune, so I'm just going to speak it. Uh, I'm going to say it first in Welsh and then in English. Uh, apologies for my Welsh. Um, I'm a little more confident in my Welsh than my Icelandic because I have been taking some Welsh on Duolingo, but it's you know still not that great. So they would the song will always start. Well, Dima nin duad, gi filian din nuad, e often am ganad, e often am ganad, e often am ganad, e ganu. My pronunciation might be terrible, and I apologize. Uh, the English for it is, well, here we come, innocent friends, to ask leave, to ask leave, to ask leave, to sing. So the way it would work is that the inhabitants of the house and the troop would essentially get into like some old-timey rap battle, similar to the uh, uh, Viking wording, which is like a battle of words. And so what it is is that they would sing back and forth to each other, and the inhabitants of the house would have to continue to come up with excuses for why they couldn't accommodate the troop. And if the it would go until one side kind of relents and is like, okay... I guess we're not doing this. Um, if the household fails, uh, the troop gets to enter and they have to serve them a meal and get them drinks. However, the one thing they have to do is they have to make sure that they make Punch promise not to use his fire poker to poke out their fire, which is just this weird twisted little thing. So while eating, the troop will perform little dances, they'll sing carols, they'll do puppetry, and for the amusement of the hosts and to kind of like pay for their meal. Oh, excuse me. However, Mari Lude will be running around the house causing our mischief and ruckus, trying to scare the children and trying to avoid the leader who's chasing them with a bullwhip to try to get them to calm down. It's a very lively and fun event. Um, there's a little bit of contention about where the origin of the name comes from. Some believe it's have to do with like Mother Mary. Like Mari Lude, Mary Lude. Thinking it has to do with like Mary, Mother of Christ. While other folklorists think um, Mare might come from the English word meaning Mare, because by the time the tradition was really gaining speed and uh, being written down, it would the Welsh people would have heard English, so they know the word Mare for a female horse. And uh, Lude is the Welsh word for grey, so it's also known as the grey horse. This is a whole tradition kind of known as wassailing, which is like a primitive form of caroling. Um, I'm going a bit off script, so if this is wrong, uh, feel, somebody can feel free to contact me uh, at White Trash History, at White Trash Historian, my apologies, uh, at either uh, Instagram or uh, TikTok. Uh, but the it's like an ancient form of caroling where like you go and you like sing songs and then it's like, thank you, now give me shit. And then the host would be like, okay, here's some food and some drink. And, you know, it's, you know, it makes caroling kind of worth it. Like, who carols anymore? I mean, in a post-COVID world, nobody fucking carols anymore. But also, like, who would want to carol? I remember, story time. 
the only time I ever caroled, because I'm not a Christmas person really, um, it was when I was in middle school because I was in the chorus in my middle school uh, because A, I uh, didn't want to go to study hall. So if you uh, were in chorus, it took place at your study hall. And B, uh, a lot of chorus girls were cute and I wanted to flirt because I was in middle school and I didn't know how it worked. Uh, so we would often, and I could get out of class if I went caroling and I'm like, I love getting out of class. I'm too smart anyway. So uh, we went caroling and some pe and uh, in like an old folks home and a bunch of them gave us like little candy canes, which was uh, sweet. But uh, I don't know, caroling. I, I would be annoyed if someone came to my house and was like, we caroled for you, give us treats. Like, yes, there is an entire cookie platter on my table right now, but that's my cookie platter. I stole that from work and it is mine. And that's all I have for this little mini update episode and uh, holiday special. Uh, thank you all for bearing with me once again. I hope you all have a lovely holiday season. Um, I think Hanukkah is over by the time this episode is coming out, but uh, those who celebrate Kwanzaa or Christmas um, have a very happy season. Yuletide season. It's actually the solstice when I'm recording this, um, so I will be celebrating my solstice time, which will be nice. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you all in the new year. Uh, I think people are going to be real excited. I already know what the first episode of the second season is going to be, and uh, I think people are going to really like it. All right. I hope you have a wonderful holiday, and I will catch you all in 2024. Bye!